2: Hey everybody and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. Just before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to just say a quick word for our sponsors, the guys over at Rob Mac. We've been working with these guys for a few months now, and they're huge rugby fans and they're following the Lions game by game just like every one of you. They are independent financial advisors specializing in mortgage management, financial planning and investments. So if you need any of those services, you can check them out at robmac.co.uk. Thanks a lot to the guys at Rob Mac. Here is this week's episode. Hello, welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast emergency lunchtime edition. We only ever do these when there is good news. And good news, there is five Scots have been named in the 23-man squad for the British and Irish Lions to play South Africa. This coming weekend, we're going to be breaking it down in all of its glory. Matt, I'll come to you first. How are you feeling? Five Scots in a Lions test um, squad. Unbelievable.
3: Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And I think that, you know, you say that a couple of years ago last year at the start of the tour, uh, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd take it with both hands. Um, I, I wrote in the, in the newsletter this week that you know there's a situation there's a, some couple of scenarios leading into this week where you either have you know five or six Scots starting or zero um and like the pessimist in me um thought that we would be closer to to zero with maybe Price Watson and Hogg having the best shots um but to to get those those players in is it's just amazing and and I think it's it's merited like I think it's merited on on form on the tour, on form over the last sort of two years um, at the biggest stages for those players, um, I, I think maybe like Doohan's du- the biggest shock, just because although he's done extremely well on this tour, uh, competition in the back three is, is is super competitive. But it'd be really interesting to see how he's used in the test because um, he, he has you know showing what he can do so far. Absolutely, and we'll come
2: back to break down all of the five positional three starters and two on the bench. Matt, you talked about you know if you told us that two years ago, Alan, if I told you a couple of years ago that we would be a little bit disappointed that Chris Harris was not starting at thirteen for the Lions, what would you have said to me? We laughed in your face. <laughs> but, but yeah, not, I mean, but not now. Not now. We are. Uh, I mean, I think it, it makes sense, but to have sort of Elliot Daly, who's played most of his rugby at fullback. Um, recently, sort of drafted straight in is a little bit of a question. But why don't we start with um, possibly somebody that you know has been through the mill with Scotland fans a little bit, Ali Price, um, but has really come onto form through the Six Nations and, and definitely into this tour. Alan, do you think it's um, taking? You know, you're obviously a one-eyed Scotland fan at the best of times, but taking out of that, do you think he's really justified that start in the nine jersey over over Conor Murray?
0: I think, he, I think he absolutely has, and I think you sort of go back to the the Six Nations, and I think when we sort of reflected on it, maybe it's sort of just natu- naturally Scottish thing to do, but I think we probably focused too much on Price's bad moments rather than what he sort of did generally good, especially across the Scotland game and that France game and, and even sort of the majority of that Wales game, whereas with someone like Murray... Who had moments of being quite poor. Obviously, we, we focus more so on his sort of positive performance against England. So, no, Luke, I think he clearly didn't come in as the first choice scrum half and has taken his chances. And ultimately, Murray and Davies have both been relatively poor across across the game. So, no, absolutely. I I still, to be honest, I didn't think they would pick him. I thought they would go for go for Murray. But uh, yeah, no, absolutely delighted for him. You can you, and you can see just you know. Back to when he found out he was in the Lions, just sort of how much it means to him as well.
2: It's it's definitely the more attacking choice of um, of scrum half, through a lot of the the calls in made in the back line sort of talk to a slightly more attacking game for the Lions. Matt, what do you think Ali Price is going to be able to bring to that role that perhaps Connor Murray or um, Gareth Davis weren't?
3: Well, I, I think it's the it's the tempo, um, and I think when you combine it with a few of the other selections in, in the team. Uh, in the backs, like Daly and Bob uh, and Watson, and then someone like Jack Conan in the back row, um, I think it, it shows that the Lions are going to want to play. Um, and I think there is this kind of feeling that despite South Africa a looking very good in that first uh, 20, 30 minutes, this South this African team undoubtedly will be undercooked. So there's, there's a chance, I, th- I think there's an idea that the Lions will look to really take the game to. South Africa from the off, um, and try and and then leverage their superior fitness. So, having someone like Ali Price there with the ability to up the tempo of the game, um, to take the quick taps, etc. I, I think that kind of is what he can bring, and just demonstrates, as I say, I think the style that the Lions are going to approach the game.
0: And I think you look at sort of a lot of the big, probably what were sort of big decisions. You know, picking Price ahead of Murray picking Daly ahead of Harris, picking Duhan to start either ahead of Liam Williams or Josh Adams, it feels like they've made a lot of decisions to sort of really take the game to South Africa rather than, I think if they'd gone the other way, they would be making those decisions more to mitigate what South Africa yeah. were bringing to them, which is an interesting time because I, I, I thought naturally Gatlin would go the other way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. If we continue into that sort of the conversation around the, the Scotland starters, Matt, you mentioned it in the, in your sort of introduction, um, um, being preferred, um, on the wing over Josh Adams, who scored sort of like 15 tries or whatever it is in his first couple of games for the Lions. Um, you, you see, it'd be interesting to see how he will be used. Do you think they're going to use him quite an awful lot as a, as a sort of strike runner, um, to try and just use his sheer physicality to get him over
3: the game line? Uh, Presumably. Um, I mean, that's obviously his greatest strength, uh, Although I think one of the interesting things that come out of this tour is there, there is this perception that he is a bit of a flat track bully, and you know, in a country like South Africa, that that just won't fly. But actually, I think uh, there are some stats flying around. That out of all the wings that have played so far for the Lions, he's been the greatest distributor. So, I think there's actually a little bit more finesse to his game than a lot of people think. Um, and I wonder if, yes, I think he will be used in that battering ram role, but also he's should be used as a bit of a decoy runner um to allow the likes of Daly watson and hogg in particular to to maybe uh find a bit more space and get on the outside um it, it'll be interesting the fact that he's going to be marking i think Ches and colby um and you know obviously he can cope with the physicality of colby but it, but it's whether he can cope with the, the footwork so i think that'll be a really interesting matchup and and also that there are, although he's done pretty well under the high ball so far, there, there are doubts around that bit of his game. So I, I would expect um, that the South Africans launching some big kicks on him and testing him out because uh, you saw you saw how good fast box kicks were in that in that A game as well.
0: I think it's probably likely that Dan Bigger, especially off kickoff or any kickoffs, will focus it onto the wing that Anthony Anthony Watsons standing at just just to, to ultimately try and pull any of those sort of especially sort of faff kicks onto that side of the pitch rather than being yeah. pinned on Duhan and I'll ultimately probably Anthony Watson is as good if not better than Liam Williams <sighs> under the high ball now so you, you want to try and make sure as much of it is going on that side of the pitch as possible however ultimately there will be moments in open play where I'm sure Pollard will be looking to drop a bomb on and, um and as you said he's He's not as good as some of the other people, but he's not terrible either. Yeah. So, and obviously, he's got a massive height advantage on Chess and Colby as well. <laughs> yeah. Just,
2: just
0: going, going back, back, back to just yeah. going back to Price. Sorry, just, just briefly. I guess it's kind of an interesting one. I was thinking back to probably the last sort of two years, and I think potentially sort of post World Cup. I, you know, I I probably for one was um, the person who thought that Price's form was was beginning to dip both for Glasgow. And Scotland, and actually someone like George Horn was probably going to be coming in as the the number one Scotland scrum half you know mainly probably just because he scored so many tries but that's kind of the the dynamic that I felt I felt there was a was a shift there um between the two, but especially over the last year, I think price performance you know, obviously he, he does have all those kind of um kind of quick taps and kind of zippy pass and kind of keeping the tempo going but he has i don't know matt you've talked about this last year he has brought those kind of fundamentals into his game and just improved so much of it stuff like bot kicks etc which i think it's just a nice thing to see where you know someone who potentially had a little bit of a blip in the middle of their career has yeah. clearly kind of managed to kind of knuckle down really improve those kind of key components of his game and now has gone from there to starting for the Lions,
2: and then obviously um, at his third uh, third tour of trying. Hoggy is now going to get a, a chance to start in a fifteen jersey for the Lions. Um, Matt,
3: do you think he's going to rise to the occasion? Yeah, I mean it, it's uh, like, absolutely delighted for him because um, it did look for a while as if Liam Williams was sort of in poor position, um, but once again, I think it's, it's deserved, and I think it. It shows the style of play that, that the Lions are going to go for, that you've chosen maybe the the more offensive, um, you know, riskier quote-unquote option. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a lot of faith that he's going to do really well. I think that um, a, a lot of his performance will depend, depend on, you know, those first two or three uh, high balls. And, you know, if he, if he is secure under those, then we know that basically every other bit of his game is it is, you know, high class. Um, and I think so far, although he's not maybe being tested like in the South Africa A game, his his defence has held up really well. So as long as he can get those sort of basics really down, then I'm just really excited to see him like having a go against the likes of South Africa because he's, he's shown against all of these big teams, both club and country, that he's an absolute handful and he can make stuff happen. Um, and you're just hoping that he sort of provides a bit of that almost like talisman-like performance from, from the back. Um, and he, he'll he'll have quite a big leadership role to play as well because I, I kind of had this like horrible feeling that he was getting given the captaincy um, because he wasn't going to play in the tests. But clearly, Gatlin really rates his leadership abilities. So it'll be interesting to see what he can bring in that regard as well.
0: I imagine as well that Wynne-Jones... Isn't going to play the full eighty. Imagine a Toji and Laws will play the yeah. full eighty, which likely means that when Win Jones goes off, Hogg will be captain. You
3: would think, unless they bring on Murray as well, which I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they if they did, like a kind of you know double sub. Because um, I think that was one of the main reasons that Win Jones was brought back in. Oh, or, or that was kind of the justific- justification that they really wanted to start. Gatlin saying they really wanted to start Price. But we're slightly worried about that lack of experience. So that's, you know, one of the reasons why they've taken a bit of a gamble on Wynn Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. And it was
0: interesting that I saw that I think Gatler made a comment to say that it was a bit of a coin flip between Hogg and Liam Williams. So clearly he, he was seeing Liam Williams as that potential starting starting fifteen, but but gave it to Hogg. And I think that sort of links up with what we talked about with the other selections, whether it's Price, duhan or Daly. It's really it is a team that's sort of there to sort of really go at South Africa. And I think, you know, ultimately Hogg has been one of, if not the standout sort of Northern Hemisphere player over the last decade. And I think, you know, obviously what happened in New Zealand was pretty heartbreaking. So it's just actually from a sort of Scotland perspective to see, to see him kind of get in the Lions team is, is just kind of a nice, it's very nice.
3: Mm.
2: Absolutely. And then then looking on onto the bench, um, two more Scots, um, Roy Sutherland and um, Hamish Watson. Let's start with Mish. I mean, you talk about sort of coin flips between um, Liam Williams and Stuart Hogg. That sort of battle um, between Hamish uh, Watson and Tom Curry has obviously been raging. And that must have been an extremely tight call for um, Warren Gatlin. But Alan, you, you would back... Hamish Watson to come on and make sort of genuine impact, so that is the type of player that he is,
0: yeah, well one hundred percent, and I think you know clearly I think probably they were looking at either him or Sam Simmons for that impact role off the bench, and you know clearly he's been sort of probably the standout flanker, just annoyingly you know Curry's probably the other one who's um who has been playing well over the last last year and it's just pipped him, and I think again you know great to see a that form rewarded but also just super excited to see Watson coming on with like 25-30 minutes ago, and just kind of a free reign to kind of absolutely go at that South African pack
1: it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work
2: Yeah, hundred percent. You see that combination of another player like Tag Burn as well, who offers that sort of versatility and um, sort of impact off the off the bench. Um, you can kind of see what Gatlin's going for in terms of his um, his strategy. Um, are you slightly disappointed, Matt, that Rory Sutherland hasn't been um, hasn't been sort of chosen in that
3: starting berth after some pretty decent performances in in the warm up games? Yeah, I mean, he's his performances for, for Scotland in the last couple of years have been an absolute revelation, and I think he's done very well for the, for the Lions. Um, I suppose it's just, I suppose there's a couple of things. Like, he didn't benefit from playing against South Africa A, um, and I'm actually reasonably confident that he would have done a good job there, um, holding up the scrum in, in the same way that Wyn Jones did, which has kind of secured his his place in the starting, starting sides. Um, I mean, I actually was slightly worried And I would have been quite disappointed by Vunapola coming onto the bench because there's big question marks around his scrummaging, um, no doubt. But he has looked very good in the noose. And with someone like Sutherland, because he doesn't maybe have that dynamism in open play, you kind of think of him as either a starter or he's not in the squad, whereas Vunapola has that great impact option. But I'm sort of of the view that like, with your props, particularly against South Africa, the, the loose stuff is just a very nice bonus and it's not necessary, whereas the scrummaging is so important, particularly when you look at the South African bench with Kitsoff and Malherb in particular coming off 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 the bench. I, I think seeing Sutherland against Malherb will be amazing because Malherb is you know when he's fit, like one of the best props in the world, absolutely destroyed England during the um, the World Cup final um so that's that's like almost one of the best matchups we can hope for
0: Sutherland's been given the short straw a little bit because I think you probably more want to go up against um I I can't pronounce it but is it niche yeah the, the ox the ox the ox rather than Malberg in terms of scrummaging um so no I think you Roy Sutherland is going to come on obviously fresh, but ultimately he's going to be up against sort of a French Marlburg. So um, French? Fresh?
3: (laughs) French. Sounds like a wine. I know. (laughs) Um,
0: So, yeah, I think, you know, that will be a massively sort of, I imagine, I can't see it being, you know, like someone's run away with it after about 55 minutes. So I imagine that sort of scrum battle sort of between 55 and 65 minutes is going to be like a super, super key, key moment as people start to get tired and balls start being dropped.
2: And before we go on to talk about how we think the game is going to go, let's just, um, we can talk about the amazing to think there's so many Scots on this tour. The ones that are not included in that 23, we slightly joked about Chris Harris at the beginning there, Alan, but do you think any of uh, any of the, the three guys left out can feel sort of aggrieved? Or do you think they've still got a shot for, you know, depending on the result in the first and getting some game time in the second and third tests?
0: 100%. I think, you know, I, I ultimately you know, Xander's had a couple of issues with injuries and, and when he's come on I, I don't think he's really managed to sort of make his mark like some of the other props but you know with how physical <laughs> these games are going to be I will be massively surprised if he doesn't end up at least being on the bench by by the third test and I think with someone like Chris Harris you know, ultimately I think he's, he's done a Good kind account of himself, I actually thought in attack, he was he was better than, than expected um, in, in sort of the last game. But I think ultimately it's quite clear that they are wanting a back line to kind of go up against, to, to kind of take it to South Africa and, and Harry. And ultimately, you know, Daly hasn't played as centre for an international for England for five years. But I do think Daly does give you much more in attack, both from distribution and the kicking standpoint.
2: was a very comprehensive little summary there, Alan. Very, very good indeed. So, Matt, I'll come to you. If we look forward to the actual game itself, both teams are out now. How do you think it's going to go down on Saturday?
3: Yeah, it's interesting because you you look at the the South Africa team that they've picked and and they've particularly with someone like Quagga Smith, they've maybe picked a side that is in anticipation of it being a higher tempo game than maybe something like the 2019 World Cup final, which is a bit more attritional. Um, And and I think if and the Lions have picked a team that suit that style as well. And I I get the sense that if, which kind of would involve South Africa going slightly off script, but if that does happen, then I'd be reasonably confident about the Lions winning it. Um, The only, but then I kind of think back to it's easy to get kind of romantic about it, but actually this is South Africa and they're just going to try and physically kill you. And you know what's coming, but that doesn't stop it happening and that's not any sort of protection against it. And I just do, I think maybe that first 20, 30 minutes of the South Africa to Ace um, game where the Lions didn't seem to be able to handle that intensity of physicality whatsoever is maybe a bit of an early warning sign um, but if South Africa get the bit between the teeth, then it's going to be very difficult to come back from that. And, and as we know, if you lose the first test, you're extremely unlikely to go on to win the series. So I'm hoping it'll be a, a quicker tempo game, which suit the lines. But but if not, I, I struggle to see past South Africa that, that much, I suppose.
0: Very I was a little bit downbeat, I think. I, I, I'm I'm pretty positive Lions are going to win. I think ultimately South Africans haven't, you know, obviously they have played together historically, but haven't played together for a while. They've obviously been had issues with COVID. A lot of players being sort of like locked up in sort of social isolation, and I can see the Lions sort of going out and 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 sort of t- you know. M- mitigating kind of them up front and then having the back line to kind of sort of take on players like you know dear landy and, and am and pimppe um so no I'm, I'm i'm relatively positive i'm actually putting some money on the on the lines to win between um zero and seven what are the Ooh, odds I? I don't know i can't remember i was having a look earlier but um that <laughs> sounds uh, like
3: your it sounds like your betting strategy putting money on something without knowing the odds
0: no, yeah, I imagine it'd be absolutely horrific. But um, but um
2: but I'm just no, looking I think, that up. I want to see what how the bookies are seeing it.
0: No, that would be quite interesting. I just think a lot of the strengths that South Africa would have naturally had, they just they just don't. Both given how long they've had together, kind of issues they've had in camp, the fact they haven't played, um, and also the fact that all the games going to be in Cape Town as well. So none, obviously none, none at altitude.
3: Yeah, that's interesting. The altitude point. I remember
2: listening to an, uh, a podcast with a South African and they basically said that for them, winning the first test is so important because the Lions are only going to get better. But I suppose in this case, South Africa are only going to get better as well because they're coming off a period of not playing any rugby. So perhaps that changes the dynamic. The bookies have basically got it at evens. They they're saying that they think it's going to be a draw. <laughs> oh, there you go. Really-
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from a... From a sort of spectator standpoint, that's like the best setup, right? It's uh clearly and clearly, you know, I think it is gonna be really, really tight. It's it'd be interesting. One of the key things, and you know, I'm sure they've done a lot in training, but I imagine that originally they wanted bigger to play against the Stormers on Saturday. So price and bigger had at least some game time. They've 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 definitely never started. I don't know if they've ever actually even played together as a nine ten combination, which going into a first test feels like the one combination. I think you would have they they would have wanted to have sort of road tested a little bit.
2: Yeah, that does seem a little bit foolhardy. So I will come to you. Obviously, Alan, you've got your money on um, the Lions by between uh, one and seven. Matt, can I push you for a push you for a prediction?
3: Yeah. Uh, I'm not as calm, yeah, I don't know, I'm not as confident as Alan, but I obviously do want to see a Lions win. Let's let's go Lions by three. But the the other thing is normally with the Lions, we got used to with the Lions Test Series, the fact there's no Scots, you can almost watch it at the neutral, and not get that kind of usual stress watching the Scottish national the Scottish rugby players play rugby. So I'm starting to get a bit nervous already now about the game because of Scott's involvement. It's a slightly different Viewing dynamic.
2: This time. Yeah, I'm really not. I'm really not ready to see like the sort of like stereotypes of the players that are starting sort of writ large on like the large, largest stage. Like you know, maybe Doohan's defence slightly goes aw- awry, or Price gets charged down, or whatever it is. And you know, all the prejudices we've carried with us as a Scotland <laughs> fans are just like sort of <laughs> they come yeah. true on like the biggest stage possible.
3: Yeah, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, exactly. We should have just been happy with no Scots on the line here. With kind of Sutherland and Hogg on the bench to come on, that, that would be fine.
2: Yeah, exactly. Some involvement, but not too much involvement. really feels like we've jumped in at the deep end here. Um, <laughs> but very, very exciting. And of course, we'll be back with you guys next week to, um, to talk about how the lads got on and obviously have a look forward to the second test. Um, But this is just a quick emergency pod to talk about um, that that selection. One thing we will cover off just in, let's say, two to three minutes right at the end here, Richard Cockrell's left um, Edinburgh.
3: Matt, what are your views on that? Yeah, I mean, it it was a surprise in terms of how sudden it seemed, but not a surprise in terms of the, the rumblings that we've heard recently about there being a bit of player discontent and, and also, there was a bit of a, a sense of Cockrell just not being fully committed to the to the Edinburgh project, and I think that sort of manifested itself in his reaction to the losses that Edinburgh experienced last year, um, where he just, you know, was constantly talking about how the Edinburgh budget wasn't as big as other clubs, you know, the realities of that, is there wasn't anything they could do about that, and it all it all just sounded a bit defeatist. Um, I, there, there is a sense, I think, that. He was great. It's the kind of cockerel effect for one, two years where he can make a big impact, and I think that he's done a very good job changing that Edinburgh culture. But then it needs to evolve, and I think he's shown himself as as unable or unwilling to to do that. And this is just the sort of the, the natural outcome of that, I suppose.
2: Yeah. So it seems. And I don't know if you guys read the the John Barclay article, who kind of sort of summarised that. That you know. He uh and when we actually we picked this stuff up a couple of months ago, we were much derided for a tweet about there being mutiny amongst the Edinburgh ranks. Um but yeah, it's sort of all come all come true. Um and particularly I suppose in that context, galling to see Worcester, who Rory Sutherland and Duhan haven't played a minute for, like celebrating them being selected for the Lions. A real real kick in the teeth.
0: Well interesting, if you look back at last season. There is, I think it's f- four teams with three players in that starting 23. And it would be Saracens, Leinster, Scarlets and Edinburgh. Now, if you if you said that to me three years ago, I would have said yeah. you absolutely meant it. Yeah, yeah. Four years ago. Well,
2: do you remember when Quagga Smith was linked with Edinburgh as well? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been mean, Quagga Smith's real sliding doors moment for him, that not going through. So now starting in the first test against the Lions, absolutely bonkers. But it is one of the most exciting things that happens in rugby every four years, and it is great to be involved, um, as we say, with some real proper Scottish interest. Um, so yeah, we'll be back. Until then, follow us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, on Instagram Thistle underscore Rugby underscore Pod, and subscribe to the newsletter. That's on Substack Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. We will do one on Sunday from Monday with our snap reactions to the game.